Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 76 for August 2021. I'm your co-host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. And I am Captain Sabriel Mastin, and we totally have not done this intro a second time. <laughs> well, you know, time loops after we've been doing this for not four months, we kind of forget some things. And it's, you know, like that Alien Ray in TNG where sometimes you remember the skills, but not your identity. And for us, it's kind of just the opposite. <laughs> and I am Captain Sabriel. Oh, wait, no. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we've done this before. Wait, Go ahead, play, play, play the next deck of cards. See what it comes up. Playing, playing cards here. Ace, That's ace, right. Ace, uh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So there have been a lot of Star Trek news items revealed in the last four months since we went into radio silence. There has been some new media. There have been some milestones like Gene Roddenberry's 100th birthday, which would have been this past week. And so the oatmeal comic about his military career was floating around again. It's very quite popular. There'll be a link to that in the show notes. But basically, if you don't know, Gene Roddenberry was on a plane that went down. He it landed in the desert. He basically saved everybody's lives. And then he decided to create Star Trek. So kind of a cool guy even before he created Star Trek. Yeah, uh, despite his problems as well, he did some good. Y- yes. I mean, I think nowadays we are more <sighs> willing to acknowledge people's flaws And it is sometimes possible to separate the artist from the art. But nonetheless, uh, Gene Ronberry did some good things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Also, some new trailers. Star Trek Prodigy Season 1, which was originally going to be a Nickelodeon show and is now going to be airing on Paramount+. Plus. We saw the first trailer for that. What did you think of Prodigy, Captain? I'm in the attitude or the mindset of, okay, cool. I'll, I'll... I'm not like uh, super excited, but I'm like interested. How about that? Is that a good? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, to you? yeah. I mean, it's another animated series, but it looks very different from uh, the what looks like a hand-drawn style of Lower Decks. Prodigy is more CGI, right? Uh, it feels like it, but I mean, I think it's probably a mixture. Yeah, I mean, probably everything is a degree of CGI nowadays. But Prodigy, the main characters, I think all six of them, none of them is human which is very unusual for Star Trek. I mean, we've always had human captains. It's always been a very anthrocentric series. So it's kind of cool to see some aliens. Captain Janeway, of course, is a main character, but we didn't see her in the trailer. And even when she is in the show, from my understanding, she's only going to be a holodeck manifestation of Captain or Admiral Janeway. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That part, I think, was known. Um, Maybe she'll get her own hollow emitter and be able to walk around with the crew. But she sounds like more like a... Uh, guidance uh, for these people who uh, want to be in Starfleet. Yeah, and you know what? You bring up a good point. We've seen some pretty smart holograms over the years. We've seen Dr. Moriarty. We saw Vic Fontaine. We haven't seen that level of sophistication yet in Discovery. Like, there were the holograms that evil Georgiou was able to disrupt just by blinking really fast. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but but nothing really on the level of the intelligence we saw in the TNG DS9 era, which is now a thousand years in the past. Yeah. Is, is Prodigy take place in the future too? I, not in the Discovery era, okay. but I think it's like post-TNG and post-Voyager yeah, at least. That makes sense. Yeah. 
So it'll just be curious to see what sort of technology they have. Yeah. Uh, we saw, I think, another trailer for Picard Season 2. You and I chatted about the first teaser way back in April for First Contact Day. And then on Captain Picard Day, which was in June, they released another trailer. Yeah, and this time they, like, if it wasn't obvious before, here's Q. Right. <laughs> You know, some people have asked me, how did they explain that Q, an immortal being who exists outside the space-time continuum, looks older? And I think that's not hard to answer, which is Q doesn't look human to begin with. He only assumed that form so that he would be something that Picard could relate to. And so if Picard is older, Q wants to relate to that, so he's going to look older. Yeah, he can He can easily just look however he wants. Uh, there is, to me, there's no question there at all. To, there's no justification needed because it just fits. Yeah, but you know it's going to come up. Like Picard is going to say, "You look older." And it's like, "Oh, mon capitaine!" Right. I just here or, to help you or your cribbage game or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Actually, it'll probably be more like Q says, "Oh, mon capitaine, you've aged," and Picard will say, "So have you?" And he'll say, "Oh, I just did this for your benefit." <laughs> oh, Picard, I'm actually younger than I was when we met on the Enterprise. You know. <laughs> Time travel and all. Been spending some time with the wormhole aliens, just hanging out, you know, drinking some <laughs> brewskis. So, uh, let's see. They also announced that they have finished recording or filming season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Hey, that's cool. Um, again, that's like, at the moment, I'm in that early stage of like, cool, I'll be more excited as it gets closer, I think. How can you not be excited about the return of Captain Pike, one of the best Starfleet captains of all time? I am excited that that's happening, but hype for the show. Like, I just know. I'm really, I'm excited to see it, but I'm not like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of am because I thought he was great. I thought number one was great. I'm looking forward to seeing Spock come back. Although, to be honest, of the three, I mean, like, he was fabulous, but of the three, I think. Uh, I'm least interested in him because he's the character we already know the most about. Yeah, I, I, was, agree, I would agree with that too. Because like, Anson Mount is now one of my favorite Star Trek Comptons. I know he's just—he's so dreamy. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, the biggest question for me is: Will Strange New Worlds be serialized like Discovery and Picard, or will it be episodic like TNG? And we just don't know. Yeah, we have no information, or if we have, I've missed it entirely. I'm. Do you have any hopes or preferences in that respect? Um. You know what? We've talked kind of about how Star Trek has changed over time. And I don't have a preference. If you would have asked me like a year ago, I probably would have said, I hope it's something more episodic like the original. But I mean, since then we had that discussion, I think last time or two times ago, we talked like, you know what? Star Trek has changed. If I want episodic, there's like 500 episodes of that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm cool either way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In the larger context of the history of Star Trek, it still is heavily weighted toward episodic. But in the shorter context of people who are now watching Star Trek on Paramount Plus for the first time, I think an alternative to the serialized episodes would be better because if you try to tune into almost any Star Trek nowadays and you come in mid-season, you're going to be completely lost. And I think it would be a nice entry point to have something you can show somebody that's like, this is designed with a modern aesthetic and modern visuals and special effects. And you can jump in at any point. Do people do that anymore though? I don't know. Who just uh, want to jump into a show halfway through. Uh, so our friend Kay, who was on a previous episode of transporter lock actually started watching discovery almost halfway through season three. Okay. Yeah. 
I think that's uncommon these days. I would agree. How many people I know who I will be like, like even the show Critical Role, D and D pod, you know, show. Um, I'd be like, episode one hundred is a great jumping on point, and then the insistence is, no, I need to know everything that's happened in the four hundred hours up to here. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You can always go back. I mean, uh, and how many times I have to fight people or and things like that. I'm like, I don't know. A lot of people have this mentality for better or for worse, that they have to start at one, no matter what, mm-hmm. despite evidence to be, or suggestions contrary. Uh, well, I, I would have two answers to that. One is you would say, you said it's uncommon for people to jump in mid season. And I agree with that, but maybe the reason it's uncommon is because it's not easy with star Trek, for example. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's sort of a causality loop. Maybe. Um, and with, uh, critical role and the like. So yes, there are these entry points, but you have to do a minimal amount of research to find out what those entry points are. And you don't have to do any research to know that episode one is an entry point. Yeah. So like, like I didn't know until you just said so that critical role episode number 100 is a good place to start. Oh, I went to, I, I only know because that's how I just happened, happened to do <laughs> in their second, second season mm-hmm. episode hundred of their second season, mind you. <laughs> oh, see, they have seasons. Yeah, that's oh, confusing. Okay, uh, but yeah, I oh, you know what? This reminds me that I I don't know why it took me years to figure this out, but as you know, I have a Star Trek Pride shirt. I think you do too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I wear it, I get compliments. And what I've just started doing this summer is whenever I'm wearing that shirt on that day, I fill up my back pocket with my transporter lock business cards. <laughs> so because whenever somebody says nice shirt i'm like hey thanks i have my own podcast <laughs> so this happened just the other day at trader joe's uh the clerk was checking me out uh checking out my groceries not checking me out i mean come <laughs> well, on. apparently at trader joe's they're about to flirt with you i just found this out really yeah uh i don't know if that's incredibly sexist or incredibly awesome um i think it's terrible either card because well one don't flirt with the help when they're at work because they can't escape you know what? That's true. You actually taught me that, and I've tried to do that. I, I am always friendly, right? But I like I never ask somebody out at their place of work. That's just as you said. They it's not an easy place for them to say no. And so I so I should preface this. This is a thing I saw on Twitter. So I don't know if it's actually true, but I've <laughs> heard that. Well, I mean, isn't it true that uh, in restaurants, female servers may get better tips if they're a little flirty? Oh, absolutely. Although Trader Joe's don't get tips. I have no idea. I don't, I don't have a Trader Joe's within four hours of me, so I don't know. <laughs> I've been to there once or twice, but I don't remember the experience too much for the tipping culture at Trader Joe's. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, this particular clerk happened to mention to me, nice shirt. And I was like, oh, thanks. Are you a Trekkie? She's like, oh, yeah, I love Star Trek. And I said, are you watching the new stuff? And she said, no, I don't have whatever service it's on. So I said, oh, then you're missing out on Lower Deck Season 2, which just started, which then goes into Discovery Season 3, uh, 4. And then there's Prodigy Season 1 and Strange New World Season 1 and Picard Season 2. And she was just flabbergasted that there is so much Star Trek out there. <laughs> so what, what kind of surprises me is that somebody who considers themselves a Trekkie would not be aware of this. And that's not me gatekeeping. They are still Trekkies, no matter what Star Trek they love or how long ago it was. And they don't, I, like, I want them to get into the new stuff. So again, not gatekeeping. What I'm saying is... Like how how can you love Star Trek so much 
and yet not be aware that it's currently on the air. And I was chatting about this with a coworker last night. I think the answer is almost all my Star Trek news comes from either an email from StarTrek.com, which I subscribed to receive, or Twitter. And, you know, most people, despite your or my experiences, aren't on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, we are very online people, and that is still not always the norm for the rest of the world. Right. Like, if I wasn't on those two services I just mentioned, email and Twitter, how would I know about Star Trek? Like, sometimes there's a trailer in front of a YouTube video I happen to watch, but that's pretty much it. I mean, like, even my own experience, I really know when movies are coming out, unless it happens to get into the huge... Um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but just if I see it a bunch on Twitter, is the only time I hear a lot about new movies. Like when that Avatar movie with the blue people came out, uh, yeah. I had never heard of it until like, about a few weeks, like, a week or so after it came out. Because a friend of mine in ga- in a game we were playing was like, yeah, I'm going to go see Avatar. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and she's like, Brie, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, no clue. Yeah. It's weird. I'm like, there was one time around 2007 when I was backstage at a community theater production I was in and I, I wasn't going to go on stage for a while. So I had like my Game Boy with me and I was playing Tetris and somebody said, what's that? And uh-huh. I said, I said like, it's, it's Tetris. They're like, what's Tetris? Wow. And I was like, really? Like this was a guy in his late forties, early fifties. And I just thought like, well, you were in your twenties when the Game Boy came out and maybe you weren't the target audience, but like, how do you not hear about Tetris? Like, there were stories in newspapers back in the late 80s saying, like, how Tetris mania was taking over the world and people were having Tetris vision, seeing blocks everywhere they looked. <laughs> like, but no, somebody, somebody did not know what Tetris was. That's just, wow. Impressive. <laughs> by, the, by the way, when you said, like, movies that are in the common something, was the word you were looking for zeitgeist? That's a good word for it. <laughs> thanks i just made it up good good work uh, get that in dictionary oh look it's uh, there already nice work uh, yay you know i i went back in time and did that so <laughs> uh, so I, I have one more trek trailer let's hear it that is not really trek i did not even know this existed until this article about um uh nichelle nichols came out oh yeah this movie called unbelievable <laughs> um it's a movie that came, uh, filmed, or I think it, well, IMDb says it came out in 2020. I think it was filmed in 2018 or thereabouts, uh, roughly, within the last few years. So we're just going to say it came out. It has over 40 people who have appeared in Star Trek, including like Chase Masterson, Tim Russ, Linda uh, Park, uh, uh, Nichelle Nichols. Wow. Um, just about. Oh, and, um, you know, like Rob Picard, a whole bunch of everybody except for probably like the captains, like (laughs) almost everybody has appeared in this movie and it stars Garrett Wang, Chase Masterson, I think Tim Russ, and also has Snoop Dogg as the bad guy. Uh And they have a captain, uh, a puppet who is, uh, looks like the the star, the actual star of the film, (laughs) similar in the vein of Team America. Huh. Oh, um, what's the what's the name of this movie? It's called Unbelievable with five exclamation marks. There is a difference because Netflix has uh, their own movie called Unbelievable. Huh. Its subtag is a different kind of trek, and they go into space. Like some some weed plants, I think, are invading Earth or are being sent to Earth. And uh, yes, so I I'm gonna try to watch this movie. 
Wow. You should. And report back on some point. Um, oh, my God. And, and, like, it's funny. I've listened to, like, all the Delta Flyers with Garrett Wang in there. And uh, he's not once ever mentioned this film, Unbelievable, I think. Or if he did, <laughs> I didn't understand the context and didn't know what he was talking about. Wow. Connor Trenier's in here, Walter Koenig, Michael Dorn, Nana Visitor. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great. I love it. Marina Sirtis. Oh. Wow. That's quite, the, that's quite the cast. Right? And so, oh, yeah. Have you, have you looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, no, but it's got like a 50% rating on IMDb. I'm sure it's not good at all. Michael Dorn as Dr. Daystrom, total. Dr. Daystrom of all the names. Come on. Yep. Stoop Dog is Major Legrand Bush. <laughs> okay. I got it pulled up in uh, Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> and it has no ratings. Oh, right. Like, nobody has said what they think about this movie. Interesting. It, it just says it came out in 2020. It's right. PG-13. It's an hour 45 minute comedy sci-fi. <laughs> it looks terrible. and I can't wait to see it. Apparently it's not. Oh, no. That's the wrong Netflix thing. Uh, I don't know how to watch it. I can't find out where it's at. Oh, no. Maybe it's not actually out yet. Like when Maybe they are doing the film it. circuit, the film festival circuit, they're not allowed to release it. But there is a trailer I can see. Yeah, there is a trailer. Okay. Well, you know, this kind of reminds me like how you said that the actors that you know of in this movie have not talked about it. So there was a 2005 time travel film called Slipstream starring Sean Astin. And <laughs> when I was a high school teacher, I asked my students to write a review of their favorite film from the year 2005. And one student wrote how he loved Slipstream. And a year later, I saw Sean Astin at a sci-fi convention. I went to get his autograph and I said, you know, one of my students said that Slipstream was his favorite film of all time. And Sean Astin looked at me. He's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then he caught himself. He's like, I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, he's like, I just used that to buy a boat. Uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, the, the Slipstream has a 35% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I've seen it. And I can, uh, I would say that's about an accurate rating. Yeah. Uh Oh my God. I, I, I just see like this. Yeah. He did that for a paycheck. Uh, he did it for nothing else. Uh, I mean, that, I mean, I think ultimately that's 98% of why actors act. I mean, yeah, fair, but there's these movies, you know, that the person's like, gotta eat. Yep. Or <laughs> I want to, I want to make an addition to the house. Yep. Um, and so, uh, with that thought, wait, um, wait, yes? wait, I, there are two more movies I want to mention. Okay. Uh, one is a movie called Agent Revelation, which I tweeted at you about on August 1st. Uh, it's currently, f it was at the time free on Amazon video. I don't know if it still is. And it has Michael Dorn and it looks like a really cheap, cheesy yes. sci-fi film. And like, it has this Asian character basically doing a Hadouken. I was like, okay, that's <laughs> a little cliche, but whatever. And then I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and it has a 98% rating. Damn. Michael yeah. Dorn's got a lot of friends upvoting that one. <laughs> well, I remember Michael Dorn ran a Kickstarter like seven or eight years ago for a sci-fi film, and it didn't get enough money. And so I, for some reason, that kind of tainted what I thought Michael Dorn was capable of, mm -hmm. even though I, you know, I thought he was great in Star Trek, of course. But to see that he's in a good sci-fi film. So you go watch Unbelievable that has zero ratings, and I'll watch Agent Revelation, which is a 98%, and we'll meet in the middle. I think I'm going to watch Agent Revelation, too. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> you would. You have one more movie you want to mention? I, I have one more. It's uh, 
since you mentioned Michelle Nichols, there is a documentary about her called Woman in Motion. Uh, it is available on Paramount Plus. And you and I have been saying for about six months, they real that, oh, yeah, we're going to watch it. We're going to review it on Transporter Lock. And we still haven't. Uh, I, I feel like my I feel like my free time from media is limited nowadays. And I do like documentaries, but this one, for some reason, just isn't at the top of my list. Yeah. Uh, maybe because it's about a fairly serious topic. I mean, Michelle Nichols was in the news recently about conservatorship and how she has been subjected to elder abuse, uh, which comes in a variety of formats. It's not just physical. So it's a sad topic. And this documentary is not necessarily about that, of course. But uh, I think part of it is also that TOS is probably the only live-action Star Trek series I still have not seen every episode of. Oh. Like, I have it on Blu-ray, uh-huh. but I've never sat down and watched the whole thing. I mean, to be honest, at this point, except for the episodes where you you know the Hallmark episodes, it's one of those shows I think that is fine to put on while you're doing something else. Hmm. I know that's probably, like, some kind of sin to some people, but to be honest, like, a lot of it is just fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and, it's, it, and that's usually at best. It is rough along a lot of the edges, but there's some good nuggets of, of cool in there. Yeah, like I, I know enough episodes to be able to get references to like Charlie X and whatever. Uh, but like a couple of years ago, I was going to be showing my mom the 2009 film for the first time. And I said, well, let's introduce you to these characters before they get rebooted. So I chose three episodes to show her. And one of them was Journey to Babel. And as I put it mm-hmm. in, I said, Mom, this is an episode of Star Trek I've never seen before. And she was like, wait, what? <laughs> There's an episode you've never seen? And I watched it. And it was fascinating to see uh, Spock and his father's relationship in a way I'd never seen it before. And it helped put TNG episodes I'd seen decades earlier into a new context. Good. Yeah. So I feel like I owe it to myself, not just because, well, it's Star Trek. You should like it. You should watch it. But because it is still part of the foundation of Star Trek that we are still experiencing. And I'm sure there are probably some lower decks jokes that I haven't gotten. Yeah, very possibly. And speaking of lower decks, we have now spoken as long as an episode of lower decks without actually talking about lower decks. The reason (laughs) we came here to get together. That's right. We didn't record many lower decks episodes of this podcast last year, just two after the first episode and after the season finale. So we thought we'd do a few more this year, like maybe four podcast episodes for 10 episodes of lower decks. So this is the first one. And we're going to be reviewing the first episode, Strange Energies. And what was the second episode called? Um, the new security guy. Uh, Strange. I don't know. What's the first one? Um Hey, Sean, his eyes open. Yeah, security guy. <laughs> if I'm funny that they named, well, you know, let's do, actually, let's go this in order. Let's do season two, episode one, Strange Energies, where Ransom gets zapped by an alien artifact and becomes godlike, just like Charlie X. End of season. <laughs> yeah. All right, guess- I'm going to lead it. I'm going to be right up front to here. I'm entertained by these episodes when I watch them, but I realize I think I, I think I realize the problem. Let's hear it. These are shows that I would get so much more out of if I watched with someone as a, for the first time. Oh, like, cool! I'm gonna Why? sit down with you and watch this. Like right now, I, I even watched the first one half this morning of these episodes. I'm like, <laughs> but like nothing stuck. Like 
like I can't remember Keishan's name. Oh, I guess it's new information. That's not surprising. But like these episodes, like I will find them amusing. I will find them funny. But if watching them with someone else, I think would make these shows so much better for me. Why is that? So we have someone communal to laugh about it or talk mm. about it as it's happening. Because there's, yeah. like, there's like, for me, these shows, I have no desire to talk about like, what does this mean? What does XY mean? Like, there's clearly a little tiny Boimler and Mariner story going on here and a little bit of Witherford and... and um, Tendi? Tendi. But like nothing that's like deep. And it's like, I have like, like I said, no desire to like to try to figure out what what something might mean it's just like it's not like a bad thing either but it's like this is just a fun little show uh and there's lots of jokes thrown left and right here cool there's star trek the reference so here's episode the reference uh <laughs> with the, yeah. with the second one we're gonna talk about and so i think yeah i need to try to figure out a way to watch this show with someone else as i'm watching it the first time and that would make it much better for me a better experience well, to be fair, Sabriel, neither you nor I have anybody to watch Star Trek with, and that's why we created this podcast, was to share it with each other. But I do get your point about this comes after the fact, as opposed to in the moment. Exactly. That's the difference. Yeah. So I had the good fortune to actually watch the first two seasons with my uh, friend of mine. Uh, I was mostly done season two, episode one, when she walked in the door. And she said, what you watching? I said, oh, Lower Decks. I'm watching it. I was watching it while you were gone because I figured you hadn't seen Lower Decks before and wouldn't want to watch this. She's like, I've seen all of Lower Decks. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. So even though I was only five minutes from the end, I rewound to the beginning. We watched it together. And then last night we watched Keishan, His Eyes Open together. And there were, uh, I mean, to be fair, Sabriel, few people in my experience have the canonical breadth and depth of Star Trek lore that especially you do. And to a lesser degree, I do. Uh, I mean, I, I, they're out there, of course. I mean, I think probably most Trekkies do, but the people I encounter and that you encounter in our day-to-day lives do not. Do you think that's fair to say? Oh, I do. And I don't think, I think you get more out of the show if you do, Mm -hmm. but I, I think this is pretty funny. If you have a mediocre of Star Trek experience in your life. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are jokes I'm not getting because, as I said, I haven't seen all of TOS. But then there are other jokes that my friend might not get. And she said, you know, Ken, I I really want to go back and rewatch more of Star Trek, not only because it's good on its own, but because I want to better appreciate Lower Decks. In the meantime, I appreciate having you to help me explain or to help me understand the jokes. And I said, oh, yes, because nothing makes a show funnier than having somebody (laughs) mansplain it to you. I don't think it's more mansplaining in this case. And this season, well, actually, that's a reference to episode. No. Uh, in this case, it's more like, oh, the four lights. Right. And, or, or um, uh, I mean, the whole the whole Cardassian scene there in the beginning there, breaking out was fun. Or the whole Gary Mitchell, uh, I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was so fun because it was related to this old tropey thing happens randomly in star trek and they just treat it as yep we're starfleet officers we are just part of the job uh yeah the whole cardassian breakout i loved not only the you have to help me they're showing me lights uh but also when they paused the holodeck program and uh she was like i know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflicts but i hate that ensign (laughs) no uh the end orient it's like also which was also a great reference to 
the whole Roddenberry. Right. I mean, that was a, a, a meta reference because the Star Trek universe was created to have no interpersonal conflict. And something like DS9 was only possible after Roddenberry died. Yeah. And I love that the Andorian's name was like Jennifer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's supposed to like begin with a TH apostrophe something. Um, but no, it's just Jennifer. Just Jennifer to Jennifer. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Vulcan. Oh, yes. No. But um, yeah, it's like those are there are all those meta jokes that you really get if you know the Star Trek lore. And it's made, I mean, in that regard, those jokes are made for us. But then all these surface ones of like, you can laugh at the original series because um, uh, the commander, Jack, is turning into a god being. Yeah, you know, I, I I have I have expected him to be a giant green hand in space, <laughs> which I was waiting for that reference. It didn't happen, right? Um, but I did like that. Not only did the doctor say like uh, there were three jokes that she of recurring gag she made. One was how how did Kirk stop Charlie X? He smooshed him with a boulder, you know. And then they said that everybody was like, okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna go look for a boulder. And then at the end, she actually found a boulder, and it actually worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just a random ass boulder. Like, oh, yep, this is how this is how you fix God power. Or God, yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can temporarily kick them in the nuts, but for a long term fix, you really got to smush them with a boulder. Is this also? I think it's entirely in- unintentional, but a reference to the whole like, can God lift make a boulder that even he can't lift? <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of that. That's a good. Point. I hadn't until just now, but I, I don't think it's intentional. But it, it's a fun little nod. Yeah. Um, well- also, I've just realized that in this own podcast uh, that we're recording, I may have conflated Charlie X with Gary Mitchell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but so. also it's <laughs> the trope. Yeah, I've never really understood why those were two different episodes. <laughs> uh, because 60s. Yeah. Um, but I mean, so that was a fun there. And then we also got, you know, like, oh, we got to see Mariner upset because Boiler left. Yep. And we get to see uh, Titan I love all the episodes and all the shots of the Titan. It's just, it's so, I, I can't imagine Jonathan Frakes having more fun than he's having in this role. Oh, right. And uh, <laughs> I'm so happy we get to see him in this role. Like, like, and all the nods to his jokes, like all the jazz things, him right. putting his leg on every every chair. That's right. That's right. You know, because this is a very different Riker from what we saw in Picard, and I love that Jonathan Frakes can play both with relish. Yes, the whole cartoon version of him. And, yeah. And, um, but we, yeah. we haven't seen Troy this season, have we? No, and she... I, I haven't kept up with the Titan books, but she did serve on there with him. I don't know at some point that she leave. Yeah, uh, like season one, episode ten of Lower Deck, she was definitely there. Yeah. And so, but also, just maybe she couldn't get on there. Maybe she's on leave. You know, who knows? Whatever reason they'll, if they even answered or even address it. Yeah. But um, yeah. I did. I did like that. Mariner and her mom kind of broke up and stopped being buddy buddy. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think the tension between them serves the narrative better. Oh yeah, and they were never going to keep that. Yeah. Kind kind of like as she's being dragged away to the brig. I do what I want. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it wasn't angry like she was in the first season. It was just acceptance of like, hey, we love each other and we're going to disagree. Yep. Uh, and love, and, yeah. I love the nods to having cetacean ops. Okay. You got to explain that to me. I understand what the word cetacean means. Uh-huh. What was that a reference to? Okay. So Enterprise D on all their tech manuals had something called cetacean ops, but it was it was never visited 
I don't know if it was ever actually mentioned in an episode or not. It might have been like offhand. But the idea is that it's an area for the aquatic uh, races to to work. And it's also technically, I think it's supposed to be like a backward backup navigation system in case like sensors are down and huh. all that stuff. But, so um, so yeah. the person that we saw Rutherford on a date with, she herself was not aquatic. No, she just said, I ha- I'm going to have some friends in Cetacean Ops and we're going to go swimming. And you can take that to meet whatever that is. Like she's friends of people who are, um, who are people who live in the water <laughs> or yeah. people who just work in Cetacean Ops. Uh, cool. But yeah, it's, so it's, it, some starships allegedly have this whole aquatic area. <laughs> is this in any way a reference to Star Trek Four? Um, I don't think so. Okay. It could be, but it's not a direct one. If hmm. it is. Oh, uh, by the way, the day that we're recording this brief tangent, Sunday, August 22nd, uh, Star Trek four, the voyage home is playing in theaters, a 4k remastered version. Yeah. I want to go, but COVID. Yeah. You know, I went to a Sunday matinee of free guy. It's opening weekend. Uh, very few people in the theater here in Boulder, Colorado, uh, and they were almost all wearing masks. So we felt very safe. We were wearing masks and we were vaccinated. And then two days later, we were back in that exact same theater to see Rift Tracks Live. A lot of people, not many of them wearing masks. Oh, man. And uh, the Delta variant, you know, I love the Delta Flyer. I love the Delta Quadrant. Delta <laughs> variant, not so much. Not so much. Like, it can still affect people who are in, are vaccinated. And the vaccination may keep you from being hospitalized or dying. But you're still going to get sick. And you may in turn then expose somebody else to that. So I'm still wearing a mask. Uh, I'm certainly taking more risks than I was before I was vaccinated, such as by going to theaters. But if all the showings I went to were like free guy, I would keep going to the theaters. But after Rift Tracks Live, I don't know if I want to buy tickets for the next Rift Tracks Live in October. Yeah, I wanted to see the Rift Tracks Live too, but I just don't trust people, especially in North Dakota here. <laughs> Yeah, geography ba- plays a big role. Uh, there are still parts of the country where, yeah. Well, I let me put it this way: the part of the country that I am in affects my activities. Yeah. So yeah. I can I totally respect your decision. Uh, but hey, shall we move on to Star Trek Lower Deck season two, episode two? Kayshawn, his eyes. Yes, open. this is or Star Trek to reference the show uh, yeah, or, or right? the episode. Uh- <laughs> Like as soon as they said the collector, I was like, "Oh, they're the ones who tried to c- collect data." And then in the show, they're like, "Aren't they the ones who tried to collect data?" I'm like, "I just <laughs> said they were. Are you not listening to me?" Oh my god, the list of things people found in the background of this uh, episode is multiple scrolls. So I didn't pause it and examine it that carefully, but are there some highlights you want to bring up? Yeah, the Terran flag. I thought that was fun. The Betazoid. Oh, yeah. Terran from the Mirror Universe? Yes, Terran Empire flag. Ooh, because we don't know. Wow, that's impressive. Okay, go on. Um, I mean, they had um, Betazoid gift box that Armin Shimmerman was one of his early roles in Star Trek. Uh, the face, the silver face gift box thing. I don't remember. I didn't know that was him. Yeah, wow. that was him. Uh, cool. They had... Um, Riker's trombone. They had uh, what they called um, uh, Kalos's fornification helmet was actually Sauron's helmet from Lord of the Rings. What? <laughs> That's a crossover I did not expect. Uh-huh. They had um, uh, I missed it, but apparently they had a hotel Roy- a copy of Hotel Royale. Oh, I love that. But then one of my favorite ones were like Spock Two, the giant Spock from the animated series. 
his skeleton was what went, fought, fell on the collector and killed him? Uh, I was wondering because it was clearly a TOS blue medical or science outfit, and I was trying to figure out who who is that? Who is that supposed to be? It's uh-huh. Spock. Yeah, it's Spock too. The giant Spock that came. I don't remember the reasonings why, but there was a massive giant Spock in an episode of T- the animated series. Okay, so I mentioned how. The original series is the only live action series I've not seen every episode of. I specific, specifically said live action because I've also not seen every episode of the animated series, which I also have on Blu-ray. It's another one of those shows you kind of put on. On the side, there's some really neat stuff though, because like you could see where the the um, young Spock stuff came from uh, Discovery. Oh, interesting. Or even like the learning centers in the Star Trek movie and Discovery, and you can also see. Um, uh before I, okay never mind it's not that interesting but there's some there's some good stuff there oh no like, like you could see like actual female security personnel uh like, what in original series that never happened um and so there, there is some good are some good nuggets there uh you uh, get more tribbles <laughs> more oh, hairy yes, mud uh, more troubles more tribbles mm-hmm. uh by the way i'm looking at the memory alpha page for <laughs> Spock too. Believe- no, I I, I oh. can't believe I'm saying this. Fornication helmet. <laughs> uh, and it says the helmet's design is based on Sauron's helmet from the Lord of the Rings. Citation needed. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, visual effect there. But uh, uh, last thing I think I'll mention, they had um, the Abraham Lincoln skeleton with a beard is still attached to the skull that they used to help block the. Um, pissed off flying Roombas. Oh my god. Uh, that was fun. But they had a whole bunch. Just whole Chateau Picard wine. Caroline Nascos. Um, baseball. Wow. Uh, the, the game, the addictive game. That, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, from TNG with Wesley. Yeah, yeah. A uh, whole bunch of stuff. If, you, if It's one of those things that this is a treat if you are an uh if you are a fan of the Star Trek or, or, or if you are like one of those like me who just knows so much. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think this gets to what you were saying earlier about Lower Decks basically being Star Trek, the reference, you know, and that's one of the things I didn't like about Big Bang Theory, which was they made a lot of references to things I got, but that didn't necessarily make it funny. Like uh-huh. I, I remember, I remember one of the very first seasons. Uh, I don't remember the character's names anymore. Leonard, I guess. Uh, he was reaching up into his closet and he pulled down something and I started, uh, I'm like, oh my God, that's the, uh, and the person I was watching it with was like, what, what's so impressive? I was like, that's the bottle city of Candor. <laughs> and then Penny says to Leonard, what's that? And Leonard says, oh, it's the bottle city of Candor. <laughs> and, you know, like, I, th- I think it's funny that we had that conversation and that we recognized it, but the bottle of city of Candor simply being in an episode doesn't make it funny. And I think what the people in the live audience were laughing at was, Oh, this guy is such a nerd that he keeps the bottle city of Candor around in his closet. But if I went to somebody's house and they had the bottle city of Candor, like I wouldn't be laughing. I'd be like, that's really cool. Right. Oh, and for, this is a Superman thing. If anyone doesn't know. <laughs> well, if you have to explain the joke, it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so that, you just laughed <laughs> i'm laughing at you not with you oh, okay it makes it better <laughs> yeah but i i and it's not just the references like i i like references it doesn't detract from the episode but star trek lower deck season two episode one is basically you know charlie x slash gary mitchell star trek season two episode two is the episode of data where he gets collected like 
uh, it kind of reminds me of the live action reboot movies, 2009, and where they are, you know, basically spinning off from the TNG world and they have Spock. And then they did a sequel where they're fighting Khan and somebody asked the guy who, uh, Carl Urban, what do you want to do for the third Star Trek movie? And he said something original. <laughs> yep. Like, and they did, they did do something original for the third time and they went and did their own plot with no references. And I would like Lower Decks to do that. Like, what's an episode of Lower Decks without references, without building on the foundation? And those aren't bad things, of course, but I'm just curious, can Lower Decks do something original? I would definitely like to see that. Um, But, I mean, there's something to be said about these these very meta references. There's something to be like the light ones that everyone will get. Those aren't entertaining. And I kind of think that's what the show is about. But I would, I think I would appreciate more if say like a quarter of the episode or half the episode is more original. I mean, that stuff is there, like the B plot, Tendi and Rutherford, you know, having a thing. That is the original part. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like the A plot is almost always referenced the show. B plot is a lower decks the show. Yeah. And you're saying maybe they can just flip those. Yeah. But maybe that would ruin it though, I guess. I don't know if there is a right answer. Because, I mean, I do like the ha-ha-ha, but... Yeah, like, there was an episode last season where Tendi was like, as much as I would love to keep talking about Khan's thick, thick chest, you know, (laughs) and they just keep talking. And, you know, like, the episode wasn't about his chest, and that was just a fine thing you can throw in there, and it doesn't hurt anybody, and it's fun. But if the whole episode was about Khan's thick, thick chest, well, I guess I wouldn't complain, but (laughs) it's not what I'm tuning in for. Yeah, but maybe that's what the Nickelodeon show is going to be. That's true. And, you know, and this is just for the Rick and Morty fan type. Yeah, not that's true. Not every Star Trek show has to be for us. Yeah, and this but, is this is more like the episodic nature. Yeah, but with this many references, if it's not for us, who is it for? I mean, like I said, you don't need to have all that deep meta thing to get. It's laugh. It's laughing. It's laughable. It's laughable yeah. at. It is funny. <laughs> so uh two two other things about this episode i want to talk about one is the temerian the first one in starfleet uh i thought it was interesting that the universal translator was able to account for the metaphor that his people speak through you know i'm happy they did this because actually they put a temerian on the titan in the books too how did that work out uh i mean I only read like one or two of those books but i mean he had difficulty sometimes too and so it's almost like a, I don't know if it was an intentional nod to them or they thought it'd be just cool to have someone on here like did that. But yeah, um, I know he had difficulties, but he was like the uh, chief medical officer, I think, if I recall correctly. It's been a while. Um, okay. It was fine. And I th- but I think it's an interesting choice. I think it's fun. And I mean, obviously we get to goof around at the metaphors too now. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there'll be some new metaphors. There's an interesting article written back in June of 2014 by Ian Bogost, who has also written some Atari games. He wrote this article for The Atlantic, and it's all about the Temerian language. It's a, it's a fascinating article. I will share a link to it in the show notes. But the question is like, how does a race that speaks through metaphor get to the point of faster than light travel? Because his one of his statements, if I recall from this article I read seven years ago, is that that sort of syntax doesn't lend itself well to highly technical topics. Like, there's a stock footage here from Flickr of, like, somebody with an, uh, 
a tool working on a machine, and the caption is "Bob, his socket engaged." Like, like, yeah. How how does that? How, you can't talk like that and constantly be referring to previous things that happened when encountering new technical issues. So, anyway, I mean, like uh, you know, like crane when it dived for the fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, right. I I, I guess. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted to bring up was Boimler's clone mm-hmm. at the end of the episode. Like, on one hand, I found that predictable. Like, as soon as he said, "Like, oh, Riker once experienced something like this," and I was like, "Oh, he's going to get cloned." By the end yep. of this episode, there's going to be two of them. And second of all, like, one of them went back to the Cerritos, but. When they when Boimler went to the Titan, he was promoted to Lieutenant Junior Grade. And Lower Decks is all about ensigns. So did the clone that went back to the Cerritos get demoted? Oh. Actually, now that I'm reading Memory Alpha, it says yes. <laughs> uh, I don't remember already. Yeah, but like, what did Boimler do to warrant being demoted? But it says right on Wikipedia, Though the two worked well together, Riker informed the two that Starfleet forbade clones from working on the same ship and wanted to go back to the Cerritos with a demotion back to Ensign. Uh, like, why? He, he, he suffered from having a narrative investment in the episode and he had to be where he needed to be. That's why he was punished. Do you think that they saw that they would need to do this at the end of season one? Because like they peeled Boimler off from the core story and they probably felt the need to get him back somehow. Do you think they already knew at the end of season one that they were just going to clone him? Oh yeah. They were going to get him back. They, I mean, they I, knew. They had an idea they, like, right away because like, he's, he's a main character. They knew. I, I knew they had to get him back. I just didn't know it would be this way and I thought it would be more likely that I mean, Boimler is in a way kind of a screw up and maybe he just wasn't cut out for the Titan. So I guess this gives him a way to go back to the Cerritos while not being a screw-up. He has saved face because he still belongs on the Titan. Which reminds me, when the cool clone stayed on the Titan and they had some like Romulan ale or whatever, uh, the last thing Riker said was, Computer, play Nightbird. Yes. Tell me what that's a reference to. Oh, that is the song that Riker was trying to play uh, or um, perfect. Way uh, back on TNG? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, thank you. See, that's what I mean. Like, there are all these references, and not even I get all of them. <laughs> so. um, I know, they had to get him back, and now this thing's open for, like, we're, we're probably going to see Riker again, we're probably going to see the Titan again, because everyone kind of had a little moment, even if it's to the side, and uh, we'll probably see uh, Nigga, Nigga Boimler, or what did he name himself again? I don't remember. But... Oh, William. William. Did he name himself William? Yes, he did. That's right, after Riker. So, yeah. yeah. Uh well, I mean, they're going to come back again. Yeah. I did like all the comparisons between the Titan and the D, as they called it. Like, uh-huh. oh, D had its own string quartet. <laughs> Play me a concerto. <laughs> right. And, and, and Riker was like, yeah, I miss those days. I miss mm-hmm. diplomatic solutions as opposed to running around. And finally, like one of the other time people was like, yeah, I signed up to Starfleet to study Moss. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was fun. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's the that's the Star Trek I like the TNG where you know like let, let's study this space anomaly and you know and in Lower Decks season two episode one Strange Energies they were like going into the event horizon and they were getting all wibbly wobbly and that was kind of fun but I want to know like 
what happened there? I, I could almost see this being a backdoor pilot to a Titan animated series. Uh, I think that would be too much. <laughs> too much what? As much, just too much, just too much. I think it's fun to visit, but no. Uh, like but This is a total nod to the uh, Phantom breaking at that point. Like, I want more action. I want more original, like TNG style thing. Because we've seen like all the movies are very action. Discovery is very action. And this is a total nod to the action versus TNG style of sitting around a table having diplomatic conferences. Yeah, it's it's very <laughs> self-aware, which is why I say like, uh, I was just talking to somebody who watches TNG at one and a half speed. And I thought, well... Wow, it's TNG- really weird. I can't believe they do that. Wow, it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap, Sabriel, you do that really well. <laughs> I mumble uh, a lot and trying to do that without that. <laughs> well done. You can do it in short, sustained bursts. Apparently. <laughs> But I was like, the, the, so on one hand, TNG is a slower, more deliberate Star Trek, so I can see why you would want to watch it at a faster pace. But at the same time, the pace of, D, of TNG is very deliberate. And I'm curious what watching it at that speed does to the experience. Yeah. I'll so. give that a shot. You'll have to experiment with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I definitely would not do it with an episode I've never seen before. Yes, that's a good idea. Like sometimes, um, sometimes even with lower decks, I got to turn on the captions because they're just going so fast. Oh, I yeah, I always have the captions on when it comes to lower decks. Mm. I mean, a lot of shows I've just gotten used to because having a partner who has trouble with hearing just gotten mm. used to having it. But sometimes it can be really good. Sometimes Amazon's are really off, and I don't know what the issue there is. But captions good. Mm. Um, a- anything else about lower decks? Yes, there was one joke I freaking loved <laughs> in there I, I tweeted about it but like early on thursday morning but i kept it vagueish because no one would know what it meant mm-hmm. uh and so at the end of the second episode um someone made a comment to uh, the new guy it's like what you got promoted and as they're oh, sitting yeah, out yeah. eating corn on the cob yep. he's like no it's just corn a lot of times when you see someone with an extra pip it's just it's just corn a total <laughs> reference to all the times like star trek has gotten pips wrong especially like um o'brien <laughs> I, I, w- I was thinking they meant either o'brien or data i couldn't remember which but yeah that was great yeah oh yeah that's a character's name uh but yeah that was i i don't know why but that that exact joke just tickled me so much and so <laughs> Because uh, I, mean, I don't know if it's because I love corn on the cob so much. I don't know, but and it wasn't even a reference to anything that was going on in that episode. They were nope. just like, you know, you know what? At some point in the lower decks mythos, we have to resolve this larger Starfleet Starfleet conflict. So let's just do it in this episode. We got a spare minute. <laughs> yep. And so, oh man, I love that. And so, like, I found a, a gif of of the ECH of Pips just appearing on his chest and tweeted that. That was my reference to the joke. Um, I, I yeah. just want to clarify. You say GIF and not GIF? Yeah. So you, in other words, you say it correctly. I mean, I'm not going to get there, but yes. <laughs> well, I'm just glad that my co-host and I are on the same wavelength. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so, I say GIF because that's how I learned it in the 90s. Not yeah. because of scuba gear or, you know, GIF. And <laughs> like, if, you get or, into that, if you get into the semantics argument, it doesn't make any sense. So I just go with what I learned in the 90s. Or well, if I get, want to get pedantic, I say moving picture. <laughs> send all hate mail to Sabriel at transporterlock.com. Yeah, Sabriel at Sabriel.me. Come at me. I'll delete it. <laughs> <laughs> it actually just gets forwarded to Bin. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder if, like, that character this week who was sort of a 
temporary replacement for Boimler. I wonder if we'll ever see him again. Uh, and they left it open, so it could be. Yeah. So cool. Anything else about Lower Decks? Uh, nope. Corn on corn is the pip. Uh, <laughs> was the best joke. Uh, there's, one, there's there's one more thing I want to say. Not about Lower Decks. I probably should put this at the top of the uh, episode, which was I just finished watching a two season TV show that ran a few years ago called Counterpart. Uh, it ran on stars and then Amazon picked up the reruns. It's a completely self-contained show. So it didn't end on a cliffhanger, even though there's only two seasons. Uh, since you are familiar with the multiverse theory, this is a show where there's exactly two earths, no more, no less. And up until 1988, they were completely identical. And then they started to diverge and the two earths are connected in only one place through an underground tunnel in a government building in Germany. So the government knows about this. The vast majority of the population does not. And the government controls travel between or through this tunnel very strictly. Like you have to have a passport and a visa and you need to be going there for a work reason. And you're only allowed to stay for a certain number of days. <laughs> so That's amazing. it's a great show. Uh, it stars JK Simmons on what you would call our earth, he plays a lowly administrative clerk in the government building that operates the tunnel, but he's so low level, he doesn't even know that the tunnel exists or that there is a multiverse. And then uh, his counterpart from the other earth comes over and his counterpart is an assassin. This is, uh, this also happens in the man in the high castle on Amazon, the Amazon series. Oh crap. You know what? I, Post, I started a Reddit thread about Counterpart, and somebody said, you need to see the man in the High Castle. And I was like, mm. <laughs> so now I know why. Thank you. Uh, I but, mean, technically spoiler, but not. <laughs> no, no spoilers, no spoilers. Uh, so the reason I bring this up is because in the second and final season, uh, there is a huge role that is played by a character introduced in that season, uh, played by uh, James Cromwell. No way. Who invented, of course, the warp drive as Zephram Cochran. Yeah. Yeah, he's in multiple episodes. He starts off as a small character who becomes very important. Uh and I just thought it was really cool to see him still acting. That's cool. Yeah, when uh, when did Counterpart air? Because I'm seeing it new for the first time in 2021 after weirdly enough the chief of staff of my employer recommended it to me. We were having lunch and playing chess together, which itself was kind of surreal. I was trying to figure out if my job was on the line here. <laughs> if you win, you right? say. <laughs> uh, but like he asked me, have you ever seen Counterpart? I was like, no, why? He said, because in the first season, they play Go a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to play Go. He's like, yeah, neither do I. But Counterpart makes me want to learn how to play it. And it now that I've seen the show, I'm wondering if I was actually having lunch with the chief of staff or with his evil counterpart. <laughs> I don't know how to play Go, but sure do know how to play Spot the Video Game on NES. Yeah. Very similar. But um, Is it? Is it really? I mean, similar in... Well, you have colored spots. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Yeah, well, Counterpart. Counterpart is a great show. It's available for free on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's created by Justin Marks, who also wrote the 2009 film Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun-Li. <laughs> so uh, he's done other things since then, including the live-action Jungle Book movie, which was more commercially successful. Uh, and Counterpart was great. And there was a Reddit AMA with him where he talked about what he would have liked to have done in the third season. But he also said, to be honest, this show was so intense that I'm fine with just two seasons. Mm -hmm. uh, because every actor basically played two parts. Two parts, uh-huh. 
and you can, the, all the actors, especially J.K. Simmons was so good that like one, like J.K. Simmons could be on screen and not say a word and you could know which version of him he was playing. That's really cool. It's kind of like how like Clark Kent is very mousy and hunched over. And then like he changes his posture and the tenor of his voice and everything about him when he becomes Superman. Uh huh. Like it's just that level of special effect that doesn't require computers or, or really costumes. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's really really good actors. Yeah. Good cast on there. It sounds like it's amazing what good actors can do. <laughs> anyway, that is our first episode of transport lock for four months. We're going to have another, I think in about three weeks after episodes three, four and five of sounds lower good. decks. Something Maybe like by that. then we will not have enough Star Trek information to cover up 20 minutes, 25 minutes. <laughs> I think our listeners are happy to hear from us, especially after so long. And uh, the next episode, you're right, will be shorter because there will be less of a time period to cover. And then again, maybe we'll make up for it by having some guests on the show. I'm gonna say, I make no promises about being shorter, but thank you for listening <laughs> to us go. <laughs> yes. Until next time. Hit it. Or punch it. Or... Where we're going, we don't need roads. Or, as Captain Picard is going to say in Season 2, hold on to your space asses. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes and keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. I am very flat.